Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit our website, The Metal Pit, at the www.themetalpit.org. And you can catch us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com at The Metal Pit 666. And if you have any album suggestions, top 10 list suggestions, complaints, or whatever, email us at info at themetalpit.org. Tonight, I have with me two of my writers who have been on a couple podcasts with me together. We have Jim from Nova Scotia. How you doing, Jim? I'm happy to be here. This is awesome. Iron Maiden on a... This is great. This is great. And we have Stacia from the Hardy Hooligan Restaurant in Hamilton, <laughs> Ontario. How are you, Stacia? I'm doing great, Blake. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I think also you, Jim, and I are just a, a great trio for podcasts. Oh, yeah. We, we should start a band. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I call Actually... no vocals. <laughs> well, I'll give vocals a shot. Okay, perfect. Jim's the singer. <laughs> yeah. I'll play guitar badly. <laughs> well, I can't do my I I can play guitar more badly than well, I don't think you play it badly, but I would definitely play it badly. All right. Yeah. Well, luckily you're on drums by default. So <laughs> well, well, I, I can, can I can play a mean triangle. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> triangle and vocals. So as uh oh, so uh did you guys do anything metal this week? Anything metal this Did you week? listen to anything new this week? Or I know Jim gets gets metal in the mail like every day, but uh, I don't know if you want to yeah, mention I got, anything. I got my, I got, I'm going back to the back catalog of Incantation. So I just got a new CD. And I also, but the new Ace Freely track I released today, and it's actually really good. I, I love Ace. So it's really good. It's better than anything Kiss has put out lately. Huh. <laughs> Has Kiss put Sorry. anything out? Has Kiss put anything out lately? In the last fifteen years, <laughs> just a farewell tour every year, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but supposedly yeah. this is their last farewell tour that they're on right now. I, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> if but they've missed a few shows, right? Because Paul Stanley's been sick or something. Yeah, they canceled there in uh, where in Ottawa, and Toronto. Unfortunately, I mean, two two really good markets, which kind of sad for the Canadian fans there in Toronto and Ottawa. Yes. Okay. Uh, so as Jim uh, leaked, we're going to talk about Iron Maiden. Well, he didn't leak it, whatever. But <laughs> and we're going to go back to 1981. Uh, uh, so talk about their second studio album, Killers, of course, and this is the second album. Second and last album with vocalist Paul Diano on vocals. Uh, wait, I'm not going to give a bio about Iron Maiden. If you don't know who Iron Maiden is, well, there's three other podcasts. You can, I probably said a bio on those ones possibly. So go listen to those if you really don't know who Iron Maiden is. This album was the first with guitarist Adrian Smith to join the band. And he has been on, I think he's been on every album since, or he's still in the band. Anyway, he might've been gone for... I forget. I get confused. I know they have three guitarists now, but I know he's still in the band now. 
And uh, let's see, Paul Diano was fired after problems with his stage performances arose from alcohol and cocaine use. And this was also the, the first album. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, as far as we know, he's like the only one of the band that ever did it, or at least that ever admitted to doing anything. Yeah, we, right. I'm very we never hear. Sure. No, I know, but we never hear anything. <laughs> if the others did it, at least they, I guess they did it under control. <laughs> that they didn't have any problems, I guess. I don't know. Well, Clive Bear might have had some problems, too, because he also got kicked out of the band. <laughs> and there was a few other people before that. But anyway, and this album was also produced by Martin Birch. And this is the first album that Martin Birch produced. And he went on to produce their next eight albums until Fear of the Dark. And like I said, I'm not going to give a bio on the band. Now I will ask, and I'm not going to say when I first heard Iron Maiden. I will briefly say Number of the Beast is the first album I ever heard. And then right after that, I went out and bought the first two Iron Maiden albums, plus the Maiden Japan live EP. So for you guys, Stacia, when did you first hear Iron Maiden or hear Killer's album? So I Iron Maiden is one of those bands that I can't I can't remember. I don't I don't really remember a time in my life when I didn't know who Iron Maiden was. And I think it's sort of um kind of the and I'm not saying Iron Maiden is a white trash band, but it, it's a white trash badge of honor up north to listen to bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. So they were just in every household. Um same as you, Number of the Beast would have absolutely been uh, the first one I heard. Um, that said, I am a Dieno era person, and I feel like that theme is going to come up a lot. So the first two albums are my favorite. Um, but I, I feel like, yeah, you just you you grow up listening to classic albums like um, Number of the Beast and Power Slave. Um, if I had to guess, I'd probably think I was like 10 or 11 when I first heard um, the first two albums. But yeah, they they rapidly became my favorite and jim what about you yeah i mean kind of the same thing i'm thinking about it that's a good question because i'm thinking about it like it's all it's been in my life so i don't have a day i think the first cassette i got was probably made in japan i got it for easter way 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 back and i think the first probably number of the beast and then went backwards like everybody's saying um you know i I think my number two album of all time on my top 50 was Power Slave. And there's lots of reasons for that. But, uh, you know, it it's always been there. It's always been a staple with my friends and where I grew up and at school and that. So, you know, I mean, the al like I talked about it on, I think, almost every podcast, the album covers is the first thing you saw when you were walking into the record store. And I mean, you know, it just grabbed your attention. So, but yeah, I think it was made in Japan. I got a cassette for Easter really long time ago. And me and my buddies, they, they copied it and we just played the hell out of it. So it was awesome. Jim, are you from Nova Scotia? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Born and raised. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I was going to mention, you mentioned the top 50 thing. Yes, we did the, our own top 50 list. And I had Killers number 19. And my friend Stacia there had Killers number 18. Whoa. <laughs> nice. But Jim didn't have, you didn't have Killers on your top 50. But yes, you had Power Slave number two. And I had a few Iron Maiden ones in there, I think. Okay, yeah. so Killers is the second studio. I've already said that. Oh, I already did that part. Sorry. <laughs> Confused. <laughs> Actually, and you mentioned the album cover, and then usually lately on podcasts, we have talked about the album cover before we talk about the songs, but our top 10 list today is going to be our top 10 Iron Maiden 
album covers or single covers or live album covers. So we're not going to talk about the cover anymore now until after the album, because then we're going to talk about a lot of Iron Maiden album covers. So we're going to get right into the songs then. <clears throat> oh, I am going to say one thing. Excuse me. Usually I visit the website setlist.fm and I did take a quick look, but I'm not going to say much about it. All I'm going to say is the song Wrathchild, which we will get to, is like the has been played over 1,200 times live. It is the most songs wow. played live from this album, and they still play it a lot in their sets. It's like the eighth highest song that they've played live. And that's really, I don't think I have, and I'll have one more thing to say about that say when we get to that song on this album. So we're going to start off with the instrumental, The Eyes of March. And another thing, this is the only Iron Maiden album to have two instrumentals on it. Even though for me, this is kind of more or less like an intro to the album. Not Even though it is an instrumental, it was always just an intro to the album for me and intro to Wrathchild. But what do you think of The Eyes of March, Jim? I mean, it's a, a wicked way to start the album. I mean, uh, it's got a killer drums in it and the guitar is awesome. I, I love it. It's always been, an, it's not a, like a lot of intros, especially back in the olden days, <laughs> they, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is skippable. This is definitely not skippable. I think it really brings a lot to the album and it leads into Wrathchild. I mean, it's it's an awesome instrumental and uh, it really shows off their chops as a band. I think uh, it's really, really good. I, I, I love it. I have no, no issues with it at all. I'm glad it's the first track. And like you say, Blake, I, I think of it as a, an addition to Rap Child. So. Now, before we go further, so did you hear Killers and Iron Maiden more or less at the same time? Or did you hear the debut album before you listened to this one? Do you remember that at all or not? I know you heard Probably. the name of Probably the debut I heard before Killers, just because it had like Running Free and Iron Maiden on it and, and that. So it was a little bit more of the kind of the hits from like uh, from the, you know, from the era of uh, Deanna, where I kind of probably gravitate, gravitated towards that. But I this is definitely I mean, we'll talk about it probably at the end, but this is definitely a better album production wise and and really growth wise for them, for sure, you know. And Stacia, what did you think of the Ides of March? Do you like that? Um, so it, for me, it depends on how I'm listening. So I have, for the first two um, albums, I have them on every medium. So I've got them on <laughs> tape, CD, and vinyl. Um, and if I'm, like, especially if I'm listening to it on vinyl, it's it's such a great intro. And, and Jim, I, I yeah. really agree. It shows off their chops a lot. And that kind of, like, marchy sort of like drum beat it's iron maiden is really good at those epic build-up intros uh that said though if i'm listening to it on like cd or if i'm listening if, if i was making a compilation list of like you know best maiden tracks i wouldn't put it on there it just to me makes a lot of sense with the the flow of the album i don't know if i would yeah. listen to it a lot as a standalone song which and it's not because it's an instrumental because um it uh Oh damn! Track five on um, Transylvania on the the first album is one of my. It's like my top three favorite Iron Maiden songs of all time. But this one, I do really like it. But it makes the most sense on uh, like just in the flow of the album. 
Well, I'm from the era, of course, of the vinyl. So, of course, there would always be, you know, you put it on and, you know, you hear that first. <clears throat> but, of course, if I was from the age of Spotify, <laughs> which, of course, I use Spotify. But, I mean, if I if that was the only way I listened to music, I'm sure it would be one I would probably skip. Again, not that it isn't good. It is good. It's just that, you know, you want to get to the songs with the vocals, too, right? Most of the time. So, then we go to Wrathchild. And I will let Stacia talk about Wrathchild. Oh, I mean, so this is... I think this is one of their, their best songs. It's definitely one of my favorites. Um, yeah. And there's this... Uh, this is gonna be really weird it's like after the second chorus there's this little like drum fill mm -hmm. and it's just like one of my favorite moments on the album wrath child is uh it's not my favorite one it's up there for sure on this album but that one section in the song it's it's like the thing i'm waiting for all the time this is a good also song to show people when i'm trying to describe early iron maiden so this is a good uh foot in the door for this era of maiden for sure but it's it's such a good one and and a standout for killers I love that drum thing too. So, Jim. Right. <laughs> That's cool. Now, Stacia hits it on the head with her description of that because it is, uh, it's kind of a, it definitely, I agree with that. It's a gateway song. If you want to get into the Deano era and you're a new fan, uh, you know, that this is a song that's a must out of the probably three or four songs that you want to really kind of sink your teeth into. But I mean, it has that intro as soon as you hear it. On anywheres, you know exactly what it is. You, you're like, it just gets you going, gets your foot stomping. And I mean, it's awesome. And I think Six uh, Feet Under did a cover of it, I think on a re-release of an album, which they did a pretty good job of it. I mean, you know, they're they're pretty uh, heavy in that. But, uh, you know, but I mean, oh, no, it's 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 one of my, it's, I get, like Stacia, it's not my favorite song on the album, but it's a phenomenal song and i mean it's uh i love it i mean i absolutely love it it's in the top half for me for sure my notes my first line is love the little drum thing in there but i didn't really know <laughs> what to call it because it's not like it's a drum solo it's like five seconds but <laughs> it's, it's like a little drum film i love that yeah. everybody else noticed that too because i was like i'm gonna sound yeah. stupid saying this but there's just like five second little fill it's so good <laughs> no yeah i always love that part in there and i always love clive burr's drumming even though i love nico's too i guess but i always yeah. love the first three albums drumming too i loved how it was out there okay then we go to murders in the room more jim I, I like this song. I mean, it's, it starts off with that kind of slow start, and then it just absolutely takes off. This is probably my number, my third best on the album, and it's a tight race between one, two, and three, and I, I'm going to call it one, one, and you know what? This is my second. I'm going to call the two that I'm going to bring up a little later on, one and one. But I mean, it, it's an awesome, awesome track. And, uh, you know, it's got a perfect spot, I think, on the album. It's building up. Where you, you're, you finish off with Wrathchild, which is just such a hit. And, and then you go right into this, which is another, another strong track. I mean, I absolutely love it. It's a great, great track. Deja. It's funny, right? It's true. Because this one is another, this has got to be one of the most talked about on the album and coming right after Wrathchild, I, I think uh, so. It's not. Uh, it's it's definitely a really good one, and I like it. It's not my favorite favorite either. 
Um, the the intro was kind of funny. So I think that Iron Maiden, like I said, they're so good at those uh, epic intros. And I know <laughs> I, the theme of me being on podcasts is like nothing is ever fast enough. So I usually I'm not like thrilled about slow intros but i do think iron maiden can do it really well even think of things like uh like clansman i think that has got you know such like that slow intro is such a good build um i if i'm able kind of fast forward the intro (laughs) if i'm being honest because i'm just like i just i just want to get to it um so i do like it but i think for me i do think the intro is good it just doesn't really hit me right it's a little slow for my taste and I like this. Well, I like every song pretty much, I guess we'll talk here. So I don't really need to say that, but uh, the song is, of. Uh, oh, where did I see that? Oh, the song of course is about someone who came across a murder scene and is mistaken for the killer. And just like me, he can't speak French. So he would run away from people if they're speaking <laughs> French. Okay. I wouldn't do that, but, <laughs> but, uh, but that it was based on a short story of the same name by Edgar Allan Poe, who they also use for some other lyric content later. Now, some of the lyrics on this album, which we will get to with a few more of the songs, are a lot more darker than they ever sing about anymore. But of course, they were younger and they're trying to make a name for themselves. And they were Satanist, according to some people. So they had to <laughs> they had to make a statement early on. And now they sing about flowers and butterflies and stuff i guess they don't do that either but they don't really sing about you know murders too much anymore i don't think well this is the thing with the the deanna era albums i love the writing so much it's not i don't think deanna's a better vocalist than dickinson like i'm not unhinged i -hmm. understand that dickinson is the superior vocalist i just love the Diano era so much more. Um, I feel like this is going to come up. My favorite album is the first one. I, I I love Killers, but like nothing will ever touch the first album for me. To me, right. that's on that album is just like all killer, no filler. It's I love every song so much, but the writing is so different. It's got kind of uh, a little bit more of a punk edge for sure, um, and the the writing is. Even the lyrics I, I like more in, in these first two albums. So it is definitely different. I don't know how much Satan I hear, but yeah, the the <laughs> fast-paced, uh, anxious murder vibe is definitely there. Well, I guess Satan comes on the next album, I guess. I just meant this has more <laughs> yeah. killing and then the next one has more Satan, even though it's really probably only the one song. <laughs> I think killing and Satan is going to be par for the course for most metal. So we just have to kind of <laughs> lean into that. <laughs> And, uh, oh, you said something I was going to comment on. Oh, and we can, we could talk about this anytime, but of course we got a different singer here. And I was just thinking, as I was preparing for this podcast, I'm thinking, what if the number of the beast and peace of mind were the first two Iron Maiden albums with Bruce Dickinson, and then he left and then Paul Deano came into the band. Like how would those songs sound with Paul Deano singing? Just like we do with Bruce Dickinson. If they ever sing these songs live, we think, oh, like I remember tomorrow from the first album. I don't think Bruce Dickinson could sing that one anywhere near as good as Deano does with his voice. It's a slow one. Yeah, yeah. But I love that one from the first album, and we'll get to a slower one here. But I don't know. I was just thinking about that. How it would be different if you know it was reversed or something, and how it would sound if Paul Deano was trying to sing like the number of the beast or whatever. It would be so much different. I mean, I don't think, yeah, Deano. 
I, I it's funny because there's so many dickhead musicians I like. Like obviously I love Kronos, but uh, and I know Deano <laughs> is is just a total wad. But um, I don't think as much as I I like that era, I don't think he could hit anything Bruce Dickinson does, no. and and Dickinson fits so well into into what Iron Maiden became yeah. as uh, as they grew. Uh, but that like the early like like a little bit more punk infused metal that uh the first two albums were like Deano just fits so perfectly that said though whenever i see them live and uh dickinson does the like any song because i mean they still perform songs from the first couple albums i mean Mm -hmm. it's not i don't think it's a uh, any kind of a loss like i think he does really well and i think he sits Mm -hmm. within the song really nicely um like he doesn't try to bravado his way through the first ones um I, I do from what i remember he does it really really well but uh yeah it's just the the songwriting to me will always be the best in these first two now i'm going to contradict you on this next song though <laughs> <laughs> because we have another life which is a song i love the song don't yeah. get me wrong there i love this song and i love the lyrics but there's not very many lyrics they just keep saying the same thing two or three different times i'm not sure why they didn't try to think of more lyrics for the song <laughs> but i love the lyrics as i lay here lying in my bed sweet voices coming to my head and i love hearing that line but they do it like three times i think in the song and it's a <laughs> three minute song but i'm just surprised that they didn't have more lyrics to the song they just kept saying the same thing over and over again so what do you have to say about that stacia do, do you want to do you want to hear my notes on this because that's yes. hilarious that you say that because my notes are like now this is a fucking intro <laughs> that's an intro <laughs> I like this is a face melter this is a windows down scream along driving song and I love this I think this is one of the best songs this is one it's not my number one favorite on the album I think my number one favorite on the album might be might come as a surprise but uh this is definitely one of them like this is this is what I want in like an old school metal banger this like my uh my CD player in my car has seen this song a lot of times and my (laughs) steering wheel has had this banged on it a lot of times but I'm also not I'm not a um lyrics kind of person like there are songs where that I've listened to over 600 times I'm like I don't know the lyrics I can tell you how the the squealy guitar goes but like that's I don't know Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really that much into the lyrics. It's mostly with the podcast that I start because I know some people talk about lyrics, especially Ken when Ken's on a podcast, he'll talk about lyrics a lot. So that's mm-hmm. kind of why I get into the lyrics a little and try to. But I look back because we're gonna get to a line in a song here and go, I didn't even know they said that on this <laughs> thing because I didn't really pay that close of attention to it. But anyway, Jim, what do you think of another life? Oh, I mean, it's an awesome song, killer guitars on it. And I like the lyrics as well, like, but I'm so tired of living, I might as well end today. I mean, it's the whole, they keep, you're right, he keeps saying the same verses over and over again, but it's a good dark metal song. And, and I agree that, you know, this is the type of song that has Deano's stamp on it and his darker voice, definitely, uh, you know, and and. I think this should be, I think this is probably an overlooked song in the, in the Maiden catalog and from these earlier albums. I think, I think it doesn't get as much love as it probably should, but no, I love this song. I love the lyrical contact uh, content. I love the fact it's a bit darker and I like you guys, you guys hit it on the head. This is old school Iron Maiden, hundred percent. Again, not my one and one favorite, but uh, still, 
you know, the whole album, I, I love the whole album. There's not a, 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 a secondary track for me on here. So, but no, this is a great, great, great track. I love it. I think this, I think this is, is my, I think this yeah. is my second favorite song on the album. Cool. And <laughs> I have played it over 300 times live, but I think, now I've seen Iron Maiden maybe since I'm not going to talk about this after the album thing like I usually do, but I've seen Iron Maiden around ten times. And I think I've only seen this song played live once of those ten times, and that oh, was really? when they did a tour where they only played songs from the first four albums, which was oh. the best for me. I mean, the that first five are my favorites, but whatever we couldn't have Power Slave in there, but so it was great to hear songs like this that you don't hear very often usually. And I'm sure if another life has been played 300 times, a lot of it was probably on the Killers tour, I suppose, too. And like, I don't know how much they would play it after. So then we move on to the second wait, instrumental, wait, Genghis Khan. Oh, wait, sorry. before you go into Genghis Khan, let me ask you a question because I'm kind of like stuck on this now. Do you like the Misfits? Oh, I God love the Misfits. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't really. I I know who they are, but I didn't really listen to them much. No. Okay. Because oh. I was thinking when you think of so I because I like total dickhead singers like the danzigera is my favorite uh yeah. I, like that's the misfits i like is the danzigera and the the lyrics for those songs are so simple like if you listen yeah. to we are 138 if you listen to return of the fly it's like i i don't really give a shit if a song says the same two sentences over and over for three minutes until it's over or in the case of the misfits like a minute and a half and it's over um so i think yeah stuff like that like doesn't even phase me because of how much i love the early misfits so but that's like, like i don't I care <laughs> i don't care either i was just making a point that you oh, said yeah. <laughs> the great lyrics there are on the album and i thought well couldn't they have thought of a few more sentences <laughs> sometimes <laughs> but, I yeah, you... sentences too many <laughs> that's right okay Kings <laughs> con uh jim what do you think of this instrumental yeah it's you know i they put on a second instrumental on the album i thought that was pretty cool uh you know it's a great it's a great track i <laughs> it's got that cool drum intro into it it's a really groovy track i, I like it it's uh <clears throat> it's definitely again not a skippable instrumental and it's kind of ballsy putting two instrumentals on your second album i think that's you know that says a lot but there is a different versions of the album in all fairness where uh there's an extra song on um on, I believe the American uh, release. Uh, so, but no, I, I I love. I think it fits in great. Again, you you know you're heading into a really good song. You just left a really good song. Another instrumental, and again, it shows off their chops. I mean, these guys are massively talented as musicians, and it's it's like I say, it's ballsy to put two instrumentals. You don't lose your audience, and that's uh, it's one of the calling cards that make Killers such a good album. I think. That's and, actually such a good point, like that it's ballsy. I never even thought yeah. about it, but it, it really is to have to have two on there. Um, I think I, I never think about it because, like I said, Transylvania is one of my favorite. Like, I, I can't air guitar hard enough to that song when it comes on. <laughs> um, so I love and I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like you've got, uh, I think, I, you know, I always forget about the opening of this, but it's like track five on both albums is an instrumental and so i always imagine like at some point halfway through recording dan was like i'm just getting the fuck out of here you guys go ahead without me um <laughs> and then you have no dno on this but yeah it's it's true i mean it, it does showcase them and i mean it's 
like the the drums and guitar like it is it's all really good and being honest i actually this to me i like this instrumental better than than the first track um i but i'm i think i'm just like primed for that instrumental to come in like halfway through the album Mm -hmm. well i i was gonna say uh uh, never mind (laughs) (laughs) i like the song but for me for me i could have did without it being on the album but whatever because they kind of stopped they stopped doing it i know power slave has an instrumental i'm not sure I think when that might be the last time they did it. I can't remember. I, is there an there isn't an instrumental on s- somewhere in time? I don't think yep. Seventh Son. So I think the loss for words, which is like the last song where they ran out of words, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Power Slave, where they did that one. Yeah, I think that was the last time they did an instrumental that I can recall. Anyway, anyway, then we finish off side one with Innocent Exile, uh, Stacia. So it's funny because for for absolutely no reason whatsoever, I always kind of forget about this song. Like every time it comes on, I'm like, oh, right, this one, which is weird because the melody, like the melody to it is really, really unique. Um, honestly, I'm probably just getting like too amped up for um, like the, the last tracks. Um, but and I mean, it is a, a little bit moody, um, but I, I mean that in the in a way where it's kind of uh it's sort of bluesy to me, but that might also just be because of the lyrics. Um, but I mean, it is a, a genuinely really fantastic song. And yeah, listening to it again, I was like, I think I'm just so excited for Killers that I, I don't pay enough attention to it. <laughs> and Jim, what do you think of the song? Yeah, it's a great song. I mean, uh, Stacia hit it on the head. This is this is definitely got that again. I mean, I mean, yes, we're talking about Iron Maiden. We're talking about Killers, the second album. But this is the maiden sound through and through. And I, I mean, again, I love the drums on it. Um, this is probably one of my top songs on it. Still not my number one or my number one B, but it's, it's up there. It's, it's, I really, really like it. And, and yeah, it's funny. I think it does get forgotten a lot because technically I would, I would think that this is probably one of the hits off the album. Uh, but it's kind of like one of those forgotten gems that that I feel. I mean, it, you know, uh, throughout the throughout time. So I, but I mean, I, I really, really like it. It's a good track. No. Like, how much does it get played live? Um, well, I have to look that up. When you asked me that, but before Jim started talking, <laughs> I don't know. I thought you had this all. Uh, well, because Jim said it, it's it's probably. I said I forget about it, and Jim said, yeah, it does get forgotten about. It's been oh, played a hundred. A hundred times live, which probably yeah. isn't very much, because again, it was probably mostly on that tour, right? The Killers tour, right. or, Puffs, or the Beast tour, or whatever. So it's Iron Maiden's fault that it gets forgotten about. <laughs> sure. Uh, oops, wrong, wrong tab. Okay, you got me all confused now with that question. <laughs> uh, and also the uh, the lyrics. Uh, he says, "My life is empty, nothing to live for." I was reading some. Uh, stuff today about it somebody thinks it's an extension of the murders in the rue morgue lyrics and they thought it was like a concept album i don't think it's a concept album of course but i guess the lyrics could be still left over from murders in the rue morgue where he has nothing to live for because he kills somebody and people are still after him i don't know if it has anything to do with that at all or not but anyway stacy wants to get to killer so we better get to it <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So, Killers, Stacia. 
Oh man, it's hard because like this one's such a big one because this is, I think this is a, just one of the best Iron Maiden songs of of all time. Yeah. This I guess would be tied for me with my number one. Um, the intro so good. Um, again, another example of like a a, a really good build up, but it's probably all the ooh yes the, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> Diano throws in. Like you just uh, maybe if it was only instrumental, but all the yeah you're like oh I'm so ready for this to kick in but okay and the lyrics to this are why I think the Diana era has such good lyrics the lyrics to this melt my face off like it's such a good song but uh I don't know for some reason the the lyrics they they stress me out in exactly the way that uh metal is kind of supposed to um and just yeah, that that early songwriting it puts me into that anxious headspace. One of uh, so my my best friend is a drummer, and he's not into metal, but he talks to me a lot about how um, metal kind of is like psychologically supposed to make you like anxious, uh, and and like that um, he describes it better than I do. But sort of like how the drums come like a little bit before. Uh, the, like you are going ahead of the beat a little bit and he's like so it creates that like tension and anxiety and uh, you kind of realize like yes I guess that is what I like in in music it doesn't slow down and have that groovy feel it, it's making it a little bit too fast for you so you are like kind of built up and that's a good example of what this song does but I think it's like the the lyrics to me and just all of it but in like the best possible way this this song does what i want metal to do to me when i listen to it and jim oh yeah i mean this is an adrenaline rush times 10 this is the best song on the album my 1a I'm, there's another one on there that i really really like uh but i mean that that bass in it is phenomenal and deanna's voice it, i mean this is just perfect and i mean i love the lyrics are so nice and dark and yes I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it as Stacia was talking about the being anxious when you're listening to it. It gives you that sort of that feeling, not really butterflies, but more of an excitement, anxious feeling that, you know, the parts of the song and what's going to happen next. And it's pretty cool. And I mean, the the uh, the lyrics are so, so awesome and and nice and aggressive and dark for the <laughs> especially for the time. I mean, I, it's awesome. It's it's uh, an absolute it's a killer track. Killers is killer. <laughs> so apt. <laughs> uh, I also love, I had, I had wrote down, I love Deano's screams and O's, yeah. you know, O's and O's or whatever Stacia said. But <laughs> And it's, of course, his evil laugh at the end was pretty good too. Yeah. And Every could, song could do with more evil laughter. Yeah. And you could always, t and this is probably the most metal song on, maybe on the first two albums. This one is maybe the most, kind of metal song i don't know maybe it's because it's about somebody killing people i don't know if that's why but <laughs> uh that's way too oh. much to think about i like my mind just snapped when you said that <laughs> i got too much <laughs> uh but yes this is my this is my favorite song off this album it's my 1a i don't know if i have a 1b i guess i'm looking forward to seeing what's 1b and this isn't even your favorite one, Stacia, and I guess we haven't come to that yet. So let's go to Prodigal Son, which has, before anyone asks, never been played live. Whoa, never? Kind of surprising. That's I don't know why odd. you think they would have did it on that tour, but <laughs> it says it's never been played live. So let's see. Jim, what do you think of Prodigal Son? Oh, it's another awesome song. It's got kind of a funky start to it, though. It kind of goes into where... 
it's like I don't know the the way I feel about it. It's like it's kind of got a bit of an Alice Cooper kind of vibe to it when it starts, and it kind of has that I don't know, like a top forty kind of is that where they're gonna go with it? But then it just takes off. I mean, it's it's kind of folky in my mind, and it's I think this is the longest track on the album if I'm if I'm correct. But I mean, it's it's an awesome track. Yeah, it's an awesome track, and I mean, again. <clears throat> excuse me it's um it's got a perfect spot on the album because i mean the next song is phenomenal but this i it's a great it's a great track and it, it's just it's kind of a little bit different it's kind of tweaked a little bit than the rest of the album i but it's got that it's a really good tweak i, I don't even know how to describe it it's hard to hard to describe i'm like like you know you got bands that try stuff and kind of kind of fails doesn't doesn't sound right on the album uh you know and then but these guys did it and i think i think it it worked out it worked out uh awesome and stacia you know what's funny jim you saying that i i think maybe this album was more ballsy than uh because again it is it's like a, a definitely a risk that you take with this and it it is kind of folksy i i wonder so i really like Diano's singing voice um mm-hmm. Obviously, like the slower tracks are not something I, I sit and listen to, and this one is like long, but I do love it, and I love love Diano's singing because he's this is like different vocally than the rest of the album, and I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe that's why they don't do a live. Like maybe Dickinson is just like ah, this is not my forte. Like um, this is just not I don't know within my range or whatever. Like I wonder if maybe that's why they don't really play it live. Didn't get around to it when Deanna was there, and then Dickinson was like ah, this is not the range for me uh, but that said i do really really like the vocals in it i just i have to be in the mood for it and i'm never like quite in the mood for it but it is a fantastic song and i do really like it cool so 42 years after this album was recorded i finally read the lyrics for this song <laughs> <laughs> as i guess because i think maybe in the killers album the lyrics didn't come with it i'm kind of thinking it just came with a plastic sleeve if i remember right. correctly i'd have to go look so i didn't have the lyrics and of course you couldn't look them up back then um but so i was reading the lyrics today and there's a lamia is mentioned in the lyrics so i looked up what that is and it's a mythical monster with the body of a woman or with the head and breasts of a woman and the body of a snake said to prey on human beings and suck the blood of children steve harris is so evil anyway (laughs) you know what i would let lamia take me out to dinner song yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would let I would let Lamia take me out to dinner if she paid. Absolutely. <laughs> At least you know you're not gonna be next to a crying baby if she'd take care of it right quick. <laughs> Maybe that's why Bruce will sing the song. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> then oh and um, before we go on and before I forget, you've Stacia, you brought up the punk thing a few times. And I always find it like if you watch the old documentaries or read old interviews with steve harris he hates punk and he hates it whenever anybody says they sound punk or they have punk influence he always hates it but everybody else always sees it and hears it so i just i just wanted to make bring that up to attention that yeah steve harris always hated whenever somebody said that but even the album cover on the first album that which we're going to get to later is a punk guy that they just added some hair to to try to make him less punk, but he still looks like a punky kind of rocker well, there. Well, like punk so much, he should probably have not tried to sound so punk. 
<laughs> I know. Well, I guess he was, maybe he thought that, I don't know. You know what, maybe though? The thing that's, that's admit... kind of interesting. So I, I think, and I don't want to go on too long of a tangent here, but trying <laughs> to remember the 80s, um, you're looking at the tensions being played out in the Thatcher years in England. So the yeah. thing that's really coming up is uh, street punks. So you've got oi, and they couldn't sound less like that, in my opinion. Um, but I think of like that uh, motorhead infused kind of yeah. uh, where Black Sabbath was very like, like slow, crushing, powerful metal. And then you've got bands like Venom. Um, did I, I mean, my quota, I talk about Venom at least once, um, who are... <laughs> who uh, decided to come out and just uh, have that motorhead sound where they're like, I just wanted to be fast, like fast and punchy. And that is what this was. But again, like the, the eighties, when you've got like, um, you know, the mods and rockers and you, but you've got like the, the skinhead punks. Yeah, totally. They don't sound like that. And I could see him just no. being like, Oh, this shit sucks. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's not, uh, that's not what anybody means. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of, fast the next one's a faster one with purgatory station what do you think of purgatory so for absolutely no reason that i can really put into words this is my favorite song on this album yeah it's cool like this is my absolute number one i'm obsessed with this song um and like i i love the lyrics to this but to me it's just such a like hopeful song like it's it's fast and it's fun and I love the vocal harmony so much. I love the melody of it. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of good for if you're in sort of like a fucked up place, it kind of makes, I, this is kind of like a mood boosting metal song to mm. me. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is my, my total number one. This has been like a, a breakup song for me too. Like this has uh, <laughs> gotten me through a breakup before. Um, I, I love this song so much. This is, yeah, this is my 1A. Now, what do you think the lyrics, what do the lyrics mean to you? Or do you, I know you don't care about lyrics too much, but do you have a thought of what they really mean? Or you just like, oh, them? I mean, like, you know, the please take me away. Take me, so like, it's to me, it's just sort of uh, anywhere but here, but I'll find like someplace good kind of uh, sort of a hopeful, like, I will not always be in this situation kind of song. Okay, Jim. Oh, yeah, this is. I, this would be my other number one. I mean, my one A, one B. This, <laughs> this is, is my your other, other one. Your other number one too. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I go with Killers and this. What a way to end off an album. I mean, this is just a smoking song. I mean, well, there's still one know, more song. It, sorry. Oh yes, that's true. Yes, there is. You're correct. <laughs> okay, right. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> During this it, whole uh, time, I was like, I wonder if we'll have the same favorite. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I mean, this is just—it's an amazing, amazing song, and. And I love the fact that they did, they, this was, uh, I believe, this was the second single released off it. So the, and they did the artwork uh, for this, Purgatory, and I believe it was originally the number of the Beast artwork. So, but they liked it so much that they had Derek Riggs go back and recreate the Purgatory with the devil kind of morphing into Eddie. So uh, no, it's, it's an awesome song. I mean, this is one of my favorite, probably in my top five Maiden songs. And in the Deanna era, this is like tied for number one, I would say. It's, it's just awesome. Now I was reading today about the song lyrics here, because I just wanted to know what Stacia thought it was about. And this one person I was reading thought it was about reincarnation. 
and he it, in some of the lyrics like thinking of an old age old dream places i have never seen fantasies lived times before uh split my brain brain melt through the floor i don't know that's really doesn't anything to do with it <laughs> but he says <laughs> stuff like body tries to leave my soul or is it me i just don't know memories rising from the past you know things like that which could be reincarnation or it could just be something else but most of the time Myron Maine is easy to decide what the song's about like killers it's pretty easy to figure out what that song's about but <laughs> but there's a few songs that are a little bit harder to figure out what they're saying I I just feel like it's like uh, wanting to be somewhere else, but like with someone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I never, I never thought it was super complicated, but I don't think that was Deano's intention ever to be, you know, really convoluted and complicated. I agree though. A lot of their, their songs are kind of storytellery, um, mm -hmm. like killers for sure. But yeah, this one kind of feels like I just want to be somewhere else with you. And then we finish off the album with Drifter, uh, Jim. Yeah, it's a it's a great track. I mean, uh, <clears throat> this is a fast got fast guitars. I like how it slows kind of in the middle, and then the thumping drums just light it back up. I mean, I, it's a great it's a great track. Um, I love it. It's this whole album. I mean, uh, I uh, you know I I think I had uh, the debut on my top fifty, and I didn't have this. And I'm kind of after reviewing it and going through it again, I've kind of re refell in love with it again because it probably I haven't listened to the whole thing you know in in a few months and uh but I mean no oh, it's, it's a great track it's it's a strong track I like it you know ending off a strong album mm -hmm. I I love this too I think this is a really really strong ending um I like how well you can hear the bass. Like, I think the bass uh, really comes through. Honestly, this is a good album for percussion in general. Um, and I know I keep saying it, but I love, I love Dano's vocals. Um, there's a, so there's one part in this song. It's so hard to describe, but it's like around the two minute mark uh, where the guitar does something like super weird. And it's, it's one of my favorite moments uh in the album so it's like i i do like this song but i listen to it just for that one like small chunk of weird melodic stuff that the guitar does um but yeah a, a great song and a really really good ending also yeah. and you're made me like you mentioned the bass again and you can tell that the person that leads this band <laughs> plays bass because you can hear it on the especially in the well i guess probably on all the albums but especially the early albums if we're kind of talking about that you can always mm -hmm. hear songs or it's started by steve on the bass or you got a little part in the middle with the bass and then your little drum stuff <laughs> so yeah you can tell that it's not a guitarist that started this band or whatever um oh and there is this one lyric line on that song that should be on every metal song i think you can tell me if you agree or not but it's of course i want to cuddle up to you tonight <laughs> which I, again i didn't know 42 years later it took me to find that lyric was in this album because i didn't know that like, but so i guess they wanted to make up for all the killing earlier in the album so i think it's like you need some comfort after all the killing like you want to go home and be the little spoon after so many murders <laughs> okay so that's the album so we're gonna rate it stacia what do you give it up what what would you might as well do what what would you gave sorry the first one and then what would you give this one just for oh yeah. i so the first one is a 10 out of 10 album for me a hundred percent um so i would give this one a nine out of ten for being almost as good as the first one jim 
I go with the first one, definitely a 10. This one, a 9.5. I mean, it's an awesome album. I I like the production on it. You know what? The only thing I don't that confuses me about the album is there's so many variations of it. Like, you know, when it was originally released, it was released with 10 songs on it. And then the American release had 11 when they added uh, Twilight Zone to it. And then all the re-releases that are after that are like, have, uh, you know, you can get one with parts like Made in Japan as a bonus disc. And then you can get, I think I have the 98 one here that's got Twilight Zone on it. And it's uh, one of those smart CDs that has Rothschild and Killers on it live at the rainbow. But it, uh, they they need, you know, they need to make it. And I know on Spotify, they just have the 10 songs. So it's kind of weird that they haven't kind of come up with a solid base of what this album should be because yeah. uh, you know they are missing that twilight zone's a great song and it's funny that it, it i think they, re- they released these the album the re-release in june of just after they released it uh originally in february and for the american release they had the extra song so I, it just makes kind of a weird it's kind of weird that's all i mean i guess bands did it back then quite a bit but um, you know, 9.5 for sure. I mean, this is one of my favorite uh, Iron Maiden albums. It's, no, it's I, definitely a good one. I yeah. would also give it 9.5. Now, I already did, I did the podcast with the debut album, and I don't remember what I gave it. But I'm thinking I probably gave it 9, I think. I think I like this one better than the first one, I think. But I'd have to go back and listen to see what I gave that one. <laughs> well, I mean, the production on this is, is better. Yeah. But definitely. I like that. I like that muddy production. Everybody's always talks about it, but I, I like those original debut albums have that, you know, like even Megadeth's Killing Is My Business. I mean, everybody kind of craps on the production of it. And yeah, it's pretty rough, but I like that. I like warts and all when it comes down to my metal. So, you know, I don't like it too polished. Jim, I think this is why you and I have such similar taste. I think that's kind of like the crux of it is that I I like the murky production. So even when you and I were talking about like early Bathory, um, you're like, man, like, why is this so good? Because you you were mostly familiar with like the Viking metal. And it's like, yeah, it's that early shitty production. Um, And I, I, I do. I really, really like that. I agree with you so much that like the production amped up so much for this album. But I, I, I love the like those early days and usually and it's like i'm not trying to be like some edgy dickhead but it is usually the first (laughs) album that i like the best and and that's usually why because the beginning is you know before the budget so (laughs) but like i just like that sound oh yeah (laughs) exactly you brought up the misfits you can't get any (laughs) more murkier than that with 100 (laughs) percent blake you should listen to some early misfits Okay, I'll have to check that out. I know who they are, of course. I just, I think I've heard Metallica play the Misfits, right? They've done some Misfits yes, covers, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, so there that's you probably go. my only taste of it. But so I mean, come on, one of your favorite bands loves them. So, yeah. Probably, actually, and that's, uh, I like discovered some of my favorite bands that exact way. Like I discovered Sodom because Cradle of Filth used to cover Sodom. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I should check out this band and look how well that turned out. <laughs> Okay, now uh, I was going to ask you, too, about seeing them live. I'm not going to answer this question because I've answered it on three other podcast episodes. So, Jim, have you ever seen Iron Maiden live? And I don't know, favorite concert or whatever you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. I mean, Legendary, the reason why I love Power Slave is my first metal concert. I think I was 13. My parents let me go. 
There was a curfew put in place in Halifax. If you go on YouTube and look up the Halifax show, they have a newscast about how they thought there was going to be riots because satanic metal was coming here. <laughs> and it was uh, Twisted Sister open for the Stay Hungry tour. You know, a 13-year-old kid there with my friend, we got dropped off, we went in, and it just blew my mind. I mean, I, I don't have my shirt anymore. I wore the hell out of it. I mean, it would never fit me now anyways. I'm a, a little <laughs> bit more <laughs> filled out a lot more since then. But anyway, uh, uh, no, that was awesome. I mean, Power Slave, that was my first one. I've seen them three times. I've seen them for Seventh Son, and I've seen them on No Prayer for the Dying. And, uh, you know, they haven't come back to Halifax since then. Now they're way, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they need a 20,000 plus you know, plus 50,000 seater in order to uh, play now, not the rinky dink little 10,000 seater we have here. So, but I mean, uh, you know, I love every time I got to see them, I, I think uh, uh, who opened for them. I think on, uh, I can't even remember. I know Anthrax opened for them one time and I can't remember the other time, but uh, I think it might've been Queens, right. But it was uh, that, that first show. I measure all shows I see against that first Iron Maiden and Twisted Sister show. Whoa, that's a high bar to live up to. Yeah. <laughs> and Stacia, what about you? Uh, so it's funny because I, I got asked that today and I couldn't remember if I'd seen them two or three times. Um, but so yes, I have seen them for sure. Um, I remember the first time I ever saw them. Like, so this is a good example of how good the show is. So I had just gotten divorced but I had, an, so I had this extra ticket because I was supposed to go with the person I was married to who also did not like metal at all. But I was like, I'll get us two tickets. But then, so I have this other ticket for all my other like friends who don't like metal. Um, so I, I bring the person that I always jokingly call my heavy metal girlfriend because I have to remember all the metal she likes. But her first metal experience was me taking her to the show. I was like, please come see one of my favorite bands with me. I swear you'll like it. I know it's metal, but like you like guitar music in general because her favorite band is U2. So I was like, please just come. They put on such a good stage show and she's like, okay. By the end of it, she left such a big Iron Maiden fan. The, the spectacle of it just blew her mind um because i mean comes out and you know the first thing is that plane coming out and she was like where the fuck am i this is amazing and i was like <laughs> yeah absolutely clansman came on and she was like well this is my favorite song in the entire world now and uh to this day now actually every time iron maiden comes her she comes with me like we go together um but their their performances are are mind-blowing like yeah. i love iron maiden so much but you don't even have to love them to love the show you could go in exactly. aiding iron maiden and have a good time yes yeah now i also i'll just briefly say my first show is also the same one that jim mentioned was cool. twisted sister and iron maiden but in toronto of course and and i was a little older than 13 <laughs> not a lot older but a little older and my shirt probably still would fit me, but I don't think I have it anymore. Because <laughs> I don't work out as much as Jim does. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, okay. 
So now we're going to talk about, okay, for the top 10 list, usually we would do like top 10 albums or top 10 songs or whatever, but somebody made a suggestion, Paul from Australia, hopefully he's listening to this episode, suggested we do a top 10 on top 10 album covers. And he said, you could probably do one on Iron Maiden alone. So that's what we're doing. We're going to pick our top 10 Iron Maiden album covers. First, I'll just give a quick thing about, we all know Eddie now, but. Iron Maiden's me. I was just watching an old documentary, just refreshing my memory on some things on Iron Maiden's old stuff. And Rod Smallwood, the manager of Iron Maiden back then, said we needed we needed a mascot or we needed a figure that could stand out. We can put it on the album covers and everything. And so he met Derek Riggs. He had an interview with him. He saw a picture of a punk for a punk album, which turned out to be the debut Iron Maiden album when they added some hair to it to make him not as punk but he still kind of like punk to us anyway uh oh but they, they had a single out before the album came out for running free i believe was the first single and they had eddie character was in it but his face was blackened out so you couldn't see his face so that his face was shown on the album cover instead of the single and that's how eddie was born and since then of course eddie will get to this when we do our top 10 list but he's been a mummified egyptian god a power slave lobotomized metal mental patient in peace of mind of course he came out from the grave and live after death he's been a tree on fear of the dark and cyborg of course it's somewhere in time and so many other things and he of course they made a video game after him ed hunter and he also is featured as an unlockable character in a Tony Hawk pro skater computer game. I don't really, he's a skateboarder, right? That's all I really know. About <laughs> yeah. <Tony Hawk. laughs> but anyway, and so usually we go 10 to one, but I thought since we're doing something different album covers, oh, we're also going to include album covers, single covers, or even the live album covers or the best of covers, whoever you wanted to do to do this. So we'll let Jim go first with your top 10 list. And let's just start with your number one and go down to number 10 instead of okay, what cool. we usually do. So my, my number one, I'm more of a classic guy, but this, the number of the beast, I mean, that was the first, Probably, I, I think Made in Japan was the first cassette I got, but The Number of the Beast, Wicked Cover, my favorite. My second is Killers. I mean, Long-Haired Eddie, you know, that leaks into my number third, which is Iron Maiden debut, because they're just, I mean, you got to go with the classics here. Number four is Power Slave. Obviously, that album has a huge meaning for me. Uh, number five, Peace of Mind. Number six, Live After Death. I mean, that was the tour. So, you know, from Power Slave, from that from that tour, so pretty much. So, you know, it's like taking a piece of the concert home with you. And that cover where he's coming up to the grave, phenomenal. A live album, I know, but, but regardless. Number seven, I'm going with Seventh Son for number seven, which is kind of ironic. But uh, number eight, Somewhere in Time. I remember when I bought this. I got the cassette from a buddy of mine who worked at A&A Records and Tapes. And he, I ended up paying 20 bucks for it when I went into the store, but he sold it to me a week before it was released. They used to get them in ahead of time. So his boss wasn't there. So he sold it to me. I didn't pay the sale price, paid the full price and brought it to school. And everybody freaked out. I was the cool kid for a week. So that was neat. <laughs> <laughs> number nine, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with uh, number nine. I'm going to go with uh, the Phantom of the Opera, the single. So that where Eddie's playing like the piano there and he's got it all 
with his cape on and that that's really funky um and then number 10 i had this shirt for the aces high single so i had eddie in the cockpit there on the back of my shirt and i remember my first job in, in 1985 i went to go work at a pet store and i remember it was my second shift and i wore that there and i remember the manager gave me crap over it but anyways <laughs> i it was pretty funny and then my honorable mention which i love is bruce dickinson solo album accident of birth released in 97 i think there's three different covers the first i think it's the uk version where he's coming the 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 uh jester's coming through the guy's chest and you can see the guy's face and it's uh you know it's a Derek's Riggs cover as well so it's one of the ones he did for for Bruce so uh and they, they that one's wicked I, I'd love to get a copy of that I have just the regular one with the jester on the cover but still a really really cool one I mean he's he's done so many so much great artwork but that's it there okay Stacia let's what's your top 10 list oh man Solid choices, Jim. Uh, I noticed you had a lot of like the studio albums up there. Yeah. Um, a lot of the artwork I like the the most comes from singles. Um, so my number one is uh, "Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter." Like that single, Wicked. that cover blows my mind. I yeah. Um, and then the cover for "Purgatory," that single, just another super strong one. And then my my number three is the Run to the Hills single. And then number four is the single for Number of the Beast. I, I swear I do like other covers. It's just the, the top is very <laughs> single heavy. Um, and then number five is uh, the reincarnation of uh, Benjamin Brieg. I don't know if you guys know what that one looks like, but that's such a sick one too. And then uh, number six is lot. Oh my gosh. Sorry. My cat is uh, not happy with me right now. Um, <laughs> live at Donington. That that's a really, really good one too. Their live albums are really nice. Um, so number seven, death on the road. And then we're going to go into the studio album. So my number eight is member of the beast, that studio album. Number nine, fear of the dark. I love that album cover. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, number 10, Killers, because Long-Haired Eddie is, uh, that's, that's still, like, kind of, I guess, how I always picture Eddie in my mind. Like, he's never bald when I think of him. He's always got the hair. <laughs> so, Stacia, is the Benjamin Breed, the reincarnation, is that the one where Eddie's digging the grave, or he's got a pitch, so he's got a pick? Hold on. I, uh, it's funny because I was like, these, the ones I like are so, so busy. So, what I did is I went onto their site and I was just, uh, I was looking through all of them and I was like, okay, I, these are so much to take in. Yeah, um, he's, I, could, I see it too. He's in a graveyard holding a. Yeah, that's a uh, cool one. Uh, I, I missed that one. What's that one was wicked. Yeah. yeah. The moon's up there and stuff. That's a good one. Yeah, too. that's a cool one. I want to change that one to one of mine. <laughs> it's funny because, like, if you go on their site and you look through them, you're like, this is almost impossible to like narrow down because there's yeah. so many insanely good ones um but yeah it's so that was actually after i uh i saw that album cover i was like i just want to sit and listen to that song and that's actually what i was doing while i was uh waiting well while i was charging my laptop before this it's funny they the wicker man single cover is a band photo which is weird it's the only one <laughs> yeah weird so I don't know why they did that. I think I have a running free live. Oh, it's just a live shot of, yeah, the running free live single. 
because I have a few of the singles on my wall behind me. I don't know if you can see them, but I have yeah. a few other single vinyl singles too. Because yes, oh, so I'll get to my list. Sorry, before I forget. Um, <laughs> so my first is also the number of the bees. Now, even though this list is supposed to be about the covers, not about the music, but you know, the Norman Beast was the first album I got, and I used to look at it and was just so amazed at everything. So it's still my number one cover too. Power Slave was my number two cover, just because I loved. I remember looking at it and loving the details, the really small hieroglyphics and everything, and looking for that symbol that he always puts on every album. I assume you guys yeah. know about the symbol thing. So I thought it was kind of like fine Waldo because there was all these small little <laughs> images and I'm like, where is that thing? And of course it's right in the middle, but let's <laughs> see. So number three, I got women in uniform single. Ah. And obviously I have this because Eddie has two girls on his arms and you know, I've never had that. So I thought that's got me. That's my <laughs> <laughs> and it's also, this one comes before, you know, after the sanctuary single and on the sanctuary single, Eddie is standing over a character that looks like Margaret Thatcher, the old leader of the United Kingdom. And yeah. so she's fallen. And so on the this one, he's walking down the street with these two girls. And you see Margaret Thatcher's character standing behind a wall, holding the weapon and, and ready to attack Eddie. <laughs> and my number four is Sanctuary, the one that came before Women in Uniform. I probably should have put Sanctuary first, so it would have made more sense but i like those too uh five is the run to the hill single eddie fighting the devil on a big rock there so killers good. number six uh now i love i love the small details on the cover like in the apartment building where you see a person looking out his window you see a cat in one of the windows you see his symbol in one of the windows you see a couple doing something in one of the windows i'm not going to say what and then you see a store called the kinky sex shop and i'm thinking where is this street anyway no, right. see this is the funny <laughs> thing though like the the artwork is so detailed that yeah there's a million things on yeah. there that you're like what even like the reincarnation of benjamin brigo it's like it's a guy with a pickaxe coming out of a grave but you're like i don't know man there's so many like tiny things all around it like so much like not a centimeter of space is wasted on those album yeah. covers yes and also what you just said station i like this the killer's eddie the north of the beast eddie the best because yes he has a long hair and he's <laughs> the most metal looking and he has the jeans on and and that was me back then now i don't have as much hair but i'm still wearing jeans <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not killing anybody or playing with the devil anyway number seven i got peace of mind which of course is when they took his head out and so i like that he had a skull and he's got the screws on the skull holding his skull back together and he's chained in a padded cell and i like on the back cover even where they have the door open so it looks like eddie's escaped <laughs> and i also like the inside where they had the band sitting around a table dinner table a candlelit dinner brain. table with a brain there with yeah. on the plate surrounded <laughs> by vegetables and it's no wonder i don't like vegetables Kim if, if Kim if you're listening this is why I don't like vegetables because he's always questioning me saying I need more vegetables but I don't want to eat brains and vegetables okay and number eight I got live after death same reason as Jim said number nine I have the trooper did anybody have the trooper single I don't think he did but no I like that Eddie walking over fallen bodies from a war carrying his ripped up British flag there and number 10 I got Iron Maiden's debut just because it's your debut, I guess. And I did have one honorable mention, Brave New World. I thought that was a cool cover with just his yeah. head up in the sky and the city. 
landscape or sites, cityscape or whatever on there. I thought that was pretty cool. So that's our list. Now I did want to mention, so what, how important do you think Eddie is to Iron Maiden and to how much money they sell t-shirts, posters, everything. What do you think about that, Jim? Oh God. I mean, this is uh, Eddie's a business himself. I mean, you know, <laughs> you can't have enough Iron Maiden shirts that's the biggest thing. I mean, they're just so awesome. And I loved when they, like, I know they just came to, when they came to Toronto last year in Montreal, I think, or maybe it was Montreal, not a why. Anyways, they, uh, over the summer, and they had the Canadian version, like they had Eddie in a Canadian shirt. So that's really cool. Where they go, they tend to have that theme there. Um, you know, I'm a member of their fan club club and you can buy their i mean the stuff's expensive but it's it's definitely worth it and i mean him as a mascot you know i mean it's kind of like i guess not to bring up the misfits again but the misfits skull is kind of <laughs> the same kind of thing you know and then you've got even for megadeth on a bit more of a lower end not as popular but the vic rattlehead character which is pretty cool and but but no nobody comes close to the marketing of eddie and iron maiden and it, it's such i mean you see that that's you can see that anywhere as it's recognizable and i mean uh you know and what's great about it is is the cover art and all the shirts and all the promo around eddie and the mascot and everything the music is is so much stronger and this just adds to it it just completes the package it's not like you get a band that has a cool cover cool covers and they they suck musically this is the whole package and uh i mean it's so important to uh heavy metal i believe and stacia mm. what do you think well it's funny because i think uh <laughs> The thing that we may be saying without saying it is that Eddie was a good business decision. Um, <laughs> like, genuinely. And that's, that's just correct. Um, and I, I think the thing when you have a mascot like that, that uh, is, is really helpful is if there are lineup changes, it's a little less noticeable. Um, I mean, it is, if you're like a nerd like us and you like to dig into that stuff, but, uh, you know, when you think of Iron Maiden, the, the, the quote unquote person that you picture is Eddie. Um, and that makes um, like subtle changes a, a little bit easier to digest because that's that's all you're going to think of. But, yeah, when it comes down to it, absolutely am amazing marketing. Yeah, I think I, my I, first the first tour I seen, like you mentioned, Jim, you mentioned the shirts and whatever. So yeah. I had a shirt with a, you had a Canadian he had a hockey jersey on and it yeah. said 999 on it instead of 666. And, yeah. and of course, he looked like Wayne Gretzky, of course, with the 999 <laughs> on it instead of just 99. But he had the three nines, which is upside down, of course, 666. But it just had the Canadian tour on the back of that shirt. So, yes, it was marketing genius. I'm sure they did that everywhere they went, every country they went. I'm sure he had their flags wearing something, doing something. I'm sure I they mean, had a lot so of shirts cool. they just threw away, but <laughs> but that's uh, the thing. And no matter no matter what a gimmick it is, like I mean, metalheads deserve sick designs too, right? Like everybody's got sort of yeah. their own thing. But when you when you like metal, it's cool to be like, no, like we have really cool, intricate artwork as well. So I mean, it's not uh, it's not a, a slight that it was such a good marketing gimmick. It, it worked out well for us because how many sick maiden t-shirts do we all have? Like between the yeah. three of us, we could probably fill a trailer. 
<laughs> and on top of that, I mean, Kim Kardashian wears it. So if she's, if it's good enough, it must her, be cool. <laughs> oh, she probably only wears it because she loves the music so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Brutal. um, to to cap this off, uh, do you? So, Blake, you mentioned um, like the the running free single. Um, do you want to hear kind of a neat fact about that? Yes, so of that, course I do. This is a great one. I love. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. So, there's a label called uh, Neat Records um, that is really it's really big for the new wave of British heavy metal. Like they signed. A, the, a huge chunk of new wave of British heavy metal bands. Um, and the owner of that label, uh, like, especially around the late seventies was like, I'm not ever going to sign a metal band. Like metal's dead. It doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. It's no longer culturally relevant. Um, and until running free came out and then he was like, Oh shit, I guess, uh, metal still matters and that was when he was like i'm gonna start signing metal bands and then they became one of the biggest record labels for the new wave of british heavy metal but if it weren't for uh running free by iron maiden who knows hmm and i one other thing i just that documentary i was watching the other day i think it was the leader of either emi records or capital records i can't remember which one it was but he said at the time that iron maiden was starting they wanted to start supporting a metal band and it was either going to be Def Leppard or Iron Maiden. And they chose <laughs> Iron Maiden <laughs> instead wow. of doing Def Leppard. And I think even though Def Leppard <laughs> is still around playing to a few hundred people, uh, <laughs> okay, maybe a few more than that, but not as mad. I think he made definitely made the right choice with Iron Maiden there and all the money they probably made <laughs> from that. <laughs> Stacia was on Neat Records. Was Venom ever on Neat oh, Records? Oh, yes. So okay, the reason I... I know all about that is because it was Kronos who worked at Neat Records in the 70s and kept trying to get his band uh, on that label because he worked there. But it was his boss who was like, metal's dead and it doesn't matter. And then it, when uh, when Iron Maiden released Run and Free and the boss was like, okay, I guess you can, uh, we can start signing them. It was Kronos's job to go to clubs and start signing metal bands. And then eventually he got his own band on there. So yes, Venom absolutely is on neat records, but they, so really like Venom wouldn't have, you know, hit the way they did if it weren't for Running Free by Iron Maiden. Cool. Fun fact. It's funny funny you said, uh, oh no, forget, no, I forget just what you said. Sorry. Uh, now I'm gonna forget what I wanted to say. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. Yes, it's gone. I can edit that out if I want to, but I probably won't. Okay. <laughs> anyway, anybody have anything to add about Killer's album or Maiden or whatever you want to talk about? I think we're good. I think we nailed it. I think we all love yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. So it was a good episode. I love doing these top ten album covers or single covers or whatever. That was a good idea that Paul from Australia had. So I hope he does listen to this and enjoys it. And he can tell us, he can email me and tell us what his number one album is. Two of us have the number of the bees, but it might be sentimental reasons too, that we have that. Yeah. Up there, at least for me. <laughs> it's <anyway>. a possibility. <laughs> okay. Thanks for joining me guys. And thanks for everybody oh, for listening. And again, check out our website www.themetalpit.org and check back next week for another episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.